0: Well, hello, and welcome back to Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we're seeking biblical clarity on modern questions. I'm Nick. And I'm Garland. And, uh, hey, today we are talking about a question that comes out of Genesis. We spent a lot of time in Genesis uh, this fall. It's a real modern question. It is very <laughs> modern. So what do we do with the crazy old ages listed in Genesis? Just ready to go? Ready to, ready to go. go, yeah. yeah.
1: We'll, we'll be in Genesis 5. Okay. And um, we'll just take... we'll take. Uh, just read verse three and we'll get a sense of this, um, so this is to give Genesis, us a little bit of an
0: idea. Genesis five, three. I'm reading from the NIV when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness in his own image and he named him Seth. Let me keep going through five. Yeah, go all the way through five. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years and then he died. Whoa that's a lot of
1: years yeah and this this is often used and i know we both uh had this question posed by like skeptical people looking at the bible mm-hmm. saying you can't really buy this i mean come on you right. really think somebody lived uh, 930 years and, and uh, there's other people listed here and they live just as long and what we're going to notice is uh, we, in Genesis chapter 5 we get a list of, of 10 ancient uh, important people we might say yep. and they're named and we have that same formula. They were this old, this many years and they had this son, they lived another th- th- another this many years and they died at this age and this actually led some to calculate the age of the creation of the universe and so if we take these ages of all these figures and we work our way backwards in the gene- genealogies. Then we come up with a date somewhere in the four thousands BC. And that's actually the example of how people say the universe, uh, the young earth Christians say the universe is around 6,000 years old because these events took place in, uh, about 4,000 BC. And they're doing that by looking at these kinds of genealogies, these kinds of numbers. So what we have to do is, uh, Try to make sense of this, like, what do we do and uh, as normal, we're going to give a range of options. Uh, We may not settle it uh, perfectly. The first thing before we give the range of options is this. And uh, to me, this is really cool, but it's kind of nerdy in other ancient Near Eastern texts. So other stories that involve a flood, so the Enuma Elish or the Gilgamesh Epic. We see these things in other ancient Near Eastern stories frequently. So it's, it's, not, it's not only the Bible that has this. Right before the flood account, there is a list of 10 great kings. Mm-hmm. And so we see this in Babylonian texts. We see this in Mesopotamian text: A list of 10 pre-flood great kings or important people. And uh, we see that exact same thing here. In the Babylonian texts, they have very long ages. Uh, except even way crazier longer than the Bible. So like 22,000 wow. years. And so the numbers are really, really inflated in these other ancient Near East So we have to ask the question, what is the biblical author doing by taking this tradition and employing it here and uh, just for a couple of options. So here's a, we're going to give three primary options of what to do with the numbers in Genesis. We good so far?
0: Great. Yeah. So we're just, just to voice the tension um, to state the obvious. These seem like absurdly old people. Yes. Like even my nephew, when he was reading Genesis for the first time, came to this and said, what's going on? Right. So we're trying to make sense of how do we understand these old ages uh, in light of what we understand about how long humans live. And you're going to give us three ways to understand how these people live, what it means to say these people live this long. Right. And and maybe because maybe this
1: comes up often because when people, either who are reading their Bible through mm-hmm. in a year or somebody says, I don't really buy this whole Jesus Bible thing, but let me pick it up and read it we're in the first five chapters here. Like it's really early and it causes this tension. And so uh, if you're talking to somebody who's skeptical or a nephew who's reading their Bible for the first time, what do we do with it? And that's what we're trying to do here. So uh, one option is uh, we might just say what seems like the plain reading. They lived really long lives and we have to come to grips with that. Mm -hmm. And so either they were, they were specially protected by Yahweh. Uh, some have suggested that before the flood, there was uh, there was a, a canopy of water over the earth that mm-hmm. protected the earth from, from the amount of radiation it had after the flood, and therefore, the, you know, disease and decay did not happen as rapidly. Um, so some some try to go uh, that kind of a route. Others will see this as an as a literary device. So the author is trying to say, look, the numbers do. Work their way shorter and shorter and shorter till we get to the flood, and so some see that as a literary device where the author is saying look as the as the sin corrupts the human condition, the age is getting shorter and shorter and shorter so, option so perhaps number one,
0: Adam on that view, Adam and Eve are seen as this kind of the first humans with that are made to live forever, and as sin takes over the human race becomes more and more corrupt and not able to live as long until t- finally God says, I'm going to limit the age to 120 years.
1: Now there's Got debate it. on everything we just said, uh, but we'll leave it uh, at that. So the option mm-hmm. number one is we might say what seems like the plain reading of the text uh, sure. and it's it, we're going to have to come up with some category for either an unusually long life or a literary device that they're doing uh, in the text. Got okay. It. Option number two is this. Uh, it's a fancy word that nerds like to throw around. It's called gematria. How about that? Uh, Gematria is a Hebrew. uh, It's a Hebrew literary device where numbers represent uh, words. We might say they represent letters in the Hebrew alphabet. If you go back and listen to our Mark of the Beast uh, podcast, uh, that's what's going on with the Mark of the Beast. So 666 or its textual variant 616 uh, are likely trying to communicate Caesar Nero, and that's Mm -hmm. why the author says calculate the number of the beast. And so some think that the numbers here of these ten kings are actually uh, communicating something and we just have to figure out what it's saying. Right. And so and people get people have all sorts of theories as to what's being communicated and you can go and look those up. So That's option. Number two is the numbers are not meant to be taken as their actual ages. They're communicating something about the person we might say
0: in a kind of almost encoded way.
1: Yeah. And so go Google Gematria and you can go look that up. And it was a Hebrew device. They used it often. Uh, And so that's option number two. Feel good about that one. Feel good. Uh, The third option gets a little bit complicated. I'll try to summarize it. Uh, If I gave you a list of 30 numbers, as we have here, so there's 10 kings and there's three numbers for each. Mm -hmm. All of them uh, end with five out of our ten numbers. So they all are essentially. You might say if I gave you thirty numbers and either all were odd or all mm-hmm. were even, you'd think something's a little fishy here. Sure. Like that's almost too too perfect to end so up neat. that way. And mm-hmm. so, uh, what? really uh, what very, very, very detailed scholars have done is they've looked at the number system of how ancient Babylonians uh, operated and they used a number system that was based on 60 okay. as a unit. The leftovers of that are still in our world today, where we have a 60 minute hour yep. and a 62nd minute. That's a that's a remnant of the Babylonian number system where 60 was a unit. Yep. And so uh, the Babylonians use 60 and the hebrews were very fond of the number 7 mm-hmm. you want to want to tell them what 7 represented for the hebrews
0: i mean ultimately it's it's completion and so that that's rooted in the creation story in the right. 7 days of completion
1: so 7 becomes a number for wholeness completeness and so all of these numbers in genesis chapter 5 all of them are essentially these some scholars which suggest a combination of 60s and 7s Okay. And so they got, you can Google this as well. Uh, they've got lots and lots of ways to make these work. And so let's take Methuselah as an example. Methuselah is listed uh, as our uh, eighth, one of these Kings. And if you look at his age, 187 years, uh, he lived 187 years and then he became the father of Lamech. So 187, three sixties plus a seven. Yep. So it works out something like that. Yep. Uh, now the question on the third option becomes why, yeah. why would the biblical author do this? And this exact same situation, the sixties, is taking place in that remember that Babylonian list of the ten kings. Yeah. Except there the numbers are way more inflated. Uh and so these scholars would think that what the author is doing is saying, you know those Babylonian accounts where we got these ancient kings who really almost function like demigods? The numbers say these were long lives of demigods or long lives of of ancient supernatural kings. Yeah. The author's taking that tradition, but way, way cutting it down to say, no, 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 don't get too excited. Those aren't demigods. Those were humans. Yep. They had a, they they, they lived and they died. So don't inflate this vision of these ancient kings. And that's going to be running right into our chapter six, where we start talking about the Nephilim. And so we had a podcast on that and we saw in that story, something going on with the ancient Babylonian culture, looking at these, Mm -hmm. these combination of you know the spirit beings and humans and saying that's a good thing and the comment there being no no, no it's a bad thing mm-hmm. the same idea would be going on here in chapter five and so those are the three we might say primary options and we're going to leave it up to the the listener to try to solve it um, but we want to we want to be clear that I think all three are trying to be faithful to what the original author is attempting to communicate, and that's what we're interested in.
0: Yeah, and so that, thats it, it, I can imagine people listening who are starting to squirm in their chairs a little bit, um, because it sounds like we're saying the Bible doesn't mean what it, it seems to mean. You don't have to take it seriously. You don't have to take it on face value, and that's not what we're saying. Right. Um, in fact, as people who are committed to the inspiration, authority, and inerrancy of Scripture, uh, we believe that the Bible is true in everything that it affirms. And what we're trying to do is understand what the Bible says. And so if, when Moses uh, put together this text of the Pentateuch, if what he is intending to do is to create this list of 10, 10 kings or 10 people to to be a polemic against the Babylonian list, then that is what the inspired word is doing. So what would a polemic be? Oh, sorry, yeah. Polemic is when you use one thing to attack another view. So
1: it's the, it's the Greek word for
0: war yeah, or opposition. War. Yeah. yeah, so you're going against another text. And so, um, now there's very good reasons to hold the traditional view that these guys just lived really, really long. Um, but we're trying to say is it, as students of the scripture, our goal is not to defend a traditional view. It's actually to understand what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And so as a good, uh, a good, Evangelical Bible-believing person, we want to go. What is this text doing? Mm-hmm. And so that that shouldn't make a squirm as long as we're constantly taking the posture of I'm submitting to the scriptures and what the scriptures are saying. Yeah, and and, and that's good because I really think that oftentimes
1: uh, when we get that squeamish feeling, uh, we we begin to start thinking I can't trust any of this. Yeah. And our goal here is not to to undercut the scripture, but we just we just really want to understand what the original author is trying to communicate. And sometimes that might take us into places that don't seem to be what we think it's communicating as modern 21st century Americans.
0: Right, and so our goal is always to be learners at the feet of God's word. And, yeah. uh, and so I think you've helped lead us there. So thanks, Garvin, for that guidance. And thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discussed why do people live so long in Genesis. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.